Hey guys, and welcome to the New York Film Academy Hour. We have a huge episode and three guests in the studio. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hey guys, welcome to the Knife Hour. I'm Joelle. And I'm Pega. And we are so excited to have you guys here today because we have not one, not two, but three major guests. And I think what's most exciting is they're all working on the same project, so we're going to get a lot of perspectives on one singular project, which should be fun for you guys. So in the studio today, we have Lamont McGee, who's a writer and producer. He's having a hallmark year. He was a co- uh, consulting producer on Saints and Sinners. He's a staff writer on The Quad. He's currently working on Lights Out with Jeffrey Bird for director Brian DePaul. Um, Jeffrey's also here. He's directed music videos for Nas, Escape, Naughty by Nature, and is a prolific writer. And finally, and not least, we have Katie LeClaire, who you might know from Switched at Birth, who's starting an upcoming pilot for 221 Baker Street. I am so excited to have all of you in the studio. Welcome, you guys. Hey, hey, what's up? No pressure. <laughs> None whatsoever. No, it's going to be fun. It's going to be conversational. It's going to be light. And we have a lot to learn from you guys. Um, I want to start with the same question we ask every guest. And each of you gets a turn in asking or answering the question. And that question is, when did you first know you were in love with cinema? I'm going to expand a little bit for you guys since we're also dealing with TV. So if you fell in love with television first, you can also talk about that. That's a good question. Go ahead, go ahead, Lamont. <laughs> well, I, well, I think I've been thinking on it, but you answer and I think. All right. Um, so I grew up in a really bad neighborhood uh, in L.A., and I could go home and then go to sc- and go to school. It was just that school mm-hmm. home, and then I usually have to stay off the streets. You know, I grew up in the '90s, '80s, so it's like street lights come on, be in the house. Mm. But when I came came home from school, I used to watch TV with my mom all the time, like black and white movies, like. Uh, Stuff with like Abbott and Costello, wow, and uh, Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, Jerry Lewis, Dean Martin, old stuff. Um, so I don't know. I guess I fell in love with it early. It's like it's just what I did. I don't, and I know it's it's hard to explain. I love it. I did you really? You watch those? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> really? Like oh, ro- I, the Road to movies, like Road to Bali, and really, yeah. that's interesting. Oh, um, for me. Uh, it was, you know, it was, it was back in the day too, but I'm, I'm from New York, so I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. So what happened with me was I think my dad, my mom and dad are great. They're wonderful. Love them. They've been together like 54 years. And, um, like my dad used to force us to do things. So he was just into like, okay, we're going to do this now. We're going to do that now. And now we're going to do this thing. And then now it's TV. We're going to watch TV. It's TV hour. We're watching TV. Now, we'd always have to watch his shows, but, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd sit and we'd watch them. And he'd watch these talk shows. I remember one day when we were kids, I saw this. Um, it was I forgot which show it was. It might have been like Merv Griffin or something. I don't know. And then I remember somebody went into the audience. He went to the audience, and the camera panned, and there was a guy. You could see the other camera guy. Yeah. And it was a black guy, and he was on this camera, and the camera looked like a motorcycle. It was a big camera. It was like back in the day. Is it the, the one with the giant huge. wheel? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah, but, but it also has these handlebars. It looked like it looked like a motorcycle. And the camera went by him, and I was like, oh, well, all of a sudden, everything came alive for me for a moment. I was like, oh, and then the camera went back by him, and he was like, oh, that's that guy. I was like, you know, oh, I want to do that. And my dad was like, what are you looking at? I was like, oh, that guy, guy, he had the camera, and it looked like he was riding a motorcycle. I want to do that for a living. Wow. I love and it. that's kind of how it started. And, you know, and then I never kind of wavered from it, kind of, sort of. Well, except when I started playing football, but it was, that, was, that was the beginning of it. My interest. Katie? Well, I, like, first of all, I'm, like, amazed at this beauty in front of me. Like, all four of you. You're, like, wonderfully. You're two lovely ladies. Um, Thank you. 
So I started uh, acting. I was a theater kid at first, and yeah. so that was like my my foray into uh, cinema was through that. And I just started ma- mainly because I didn't love myself, so I got to be somebody else for a little while, and that felt good. Um, and then I went to film school in uh, 2002, and that was when I really like embraced it and was like, what is the other side like? Because I knew what it felt like to be an actor, but I really wanted to know uh, you know, the, the film side of it as well. So, and, and you're venturing into behind the camera stuff now, right? You're producing and yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. The, found some people to trust me. So. <laughs> trust. Trust. Katie, Katie, we love you, Katie. Mutual. We love you, Katie. Yes. We so, value Katie. Oh my God. Well, when did you first start writing and when did you realize you were actually good at it? Third grade. Third grade. Third grade. What did you write? Um, it was an essay called uh, What My Future Means to Me. Aww. I remember this. It was a third grade essay contest. And every kid had to write one. It was like a school-wide thing. And I think I think I won the citywide contest. Wow. Um, and I was like, oh, that was cool. And then every... Every essay contest, the principal would come knock on my door <laughs> and would say, "Hey, do you want to enter this one?" I'm like, "Oh, okay." It, it was words have always been easy to me. I, I, it's hard to explain. Like I could always write, not great math, but I could always write. And that right side of your brain was lit up from birth. It just knew what was happening. Yeah, it's like I just I internalize a lot. I listen a lot. I grew up in a house full of women, so I got a lot of listening in. Um, and um, <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was, it was five women, my grandfather and me. Oh, wow. So nobody messed with grandpa. Sure. So I got everything. So <laughs> I got to do all the running around for everyone. Uh, and you, you, you get a interesting perspective just growing up and seeing nothing but strong women just doing everything they can for you. Like, when I look back on it, I realize how much they sacrificed just so I could do what I do now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something I really, really appreciate. I can't give that back, but I'll I'll try to pay it forward, I guess. Yes. You can give it back. You can, you know, buy my house. (laughs) That's that's giving it back to you. You know what I'm saying? Buy them. Oh, yeah. So, okay. I'll, I'll think about that, Jeff. I'll work on that. You gotta work on that. Get there. I want to ask with you guys, um, what kind of genres are you drawn to? That's a you know good question. Probably you know more larger than life stuff. I would say maybe, maybe because because we read a lot of comic books. Yeah, I, you know, I grew up on comic books. I used to steal my cousin's comic books whenever we would drive from Brooklyn to North Carolina, and we'd stop at my my aunt and uncle's house in D.C. and my cousin collected comic books, and I used to steal his comic books. As a kid, I should go in there and read them all and steal them. I was, you know, that was when, like, I had to kind of figure out, much like Lamont, like what I wanted, like what I wanted to do or what my speciality was going to be in school because I was really bad at math also. <laughs> but reading comprehension, I was high marks on that. Reading comprehension and all that stuff, I was very high. So, you know, I used to steal his comic books, and I love. I'm very attracted to like like larger than life stuff. So even. Even stuff I do as a director, I try to at least infuse some amount of largeness to it, some amount of bigness to it, whether it be the shot or whether it be the way the camera is, where the angle is, 
you know, that's kind of, you know, what I'd like. So your love is, like, the big screen. Like, you like to see stuff, kind of, like... So, I, so I'm curious, because I've been asking a lot of directors, mm-hmm. do you... Are you upset when people watch your stuff on phones? If the bigness is what kind of attracts you to the genre... No, I'm no? not upset at all. Because I, I, I love... You can see big this big stuff on a phone. Like, this, I, I, I've watched big stuff on this thing. And when I, what I mean by that is, okay, if something is big, or something, you know, has some sort of gravitas to it, you can still get that from... I'm not... You know what? I'm probably not one of these purists, and, you know, I... I, I, I and I'm, all my director friends probably get mad at me right now. But I'm not one of those dudes. I believe... We have to move forward with the time, or else you kind of get left behind. Mm, and right. I watch stuff on this. I, I literally will watch. So I got the bigger screen, though. I feel but like it, if it works, it. it works. Like, it translates, and you will be able to feel that emotional connection regardless of what the size of the screen is, as long as it's directed well. I agree. And it's the story, right? It's, it's the story. It's the story. Yep. But even effects, though. I watch a lot of, and I send him, I torture him with them all the time. <laughs> I watch a lot of YouTube shorts. So I'll watch all these little YouTube shorts and... And they will do some pretty interesting effects on those. And, you know, these guys are coming up, are doing, like, levitation and things blowing Mm -hmm. up and, you know, all these, like, you know, hot, big-budget Hollywood effects stuff. I mean, if you just go, I mean, even if you just go to all the fan, um, the Star Wars fan films, there's a gang of them. All you got to do is just plug in Star Wars fan films and there's a gang of people shooting Jedi stuff. Those amazing lightsaber battles. Yeah, so those right. lightsaber yeah. battles. And I'm like, yo, those dudes are the future. Totally. And you know what? And then now guys like us now have to be challenged. Be like, oh man, I gotta look at that. Now how'd they do this shot? And I'm looking at it going, wow, how'd they do this? Like I love film periods, no shade against them, but I think if you're the kind of person who's like, you can't be watching phone, you can't be watching movies on phones, so you're gonna be left way behind. Because mm-hmm. like my uh, my friend was telling me a story about her kid the other day, and he was tapping on the glass in their living room, and she's like, "What are you doing, kid?" He didn't realize that it wasn't touch activated. Oh my oh, god! He was like, he was, he's two, and he's like, "There's nothing coming yeah, up." And she's hilarious. like, "That's a window, son. Like, I come away that. from there." I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's the future. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you gotta go where the two-year-olds go. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, they're the future. Yes. That is hilarious. Absolutely. So, everyone has a journey in finding their own voice. How did you go about finding your voice? <laughs> a lot of pain and suffering. Explain. Uh, the classic artist way. It's life. I mean, you start on a path and then you get detoured. Because I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be a writer. I was just good at it. Mm-hmm. Like in my neighborhood, um, you got out, you played a sport, you played music, like you're a rapper, or you typically didn't get out. Like people didn't get out by writing. That mm-hmm. wasn't a, a thing we aspired to be in the neighborhood. It was just, I played basketball and I was good. So I thought I was going to be in the NBA. Um, that didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> Thanks to your knees. <laughs> yes, my knees are horrible. Um, mm-hmm. but Sorry. No, I only said it because he was a really good basketball player. Um, so, I mean, people say that and they go, oh, well, I thought I was going to be in the NBA. Actually, you know, Lamont probably would have made it to the NBA, but his knees are really bad. But, um, yeah. oh, thanks, Jeff. No, so, no, because I'm only saying it because he played with NBA guys. Like, NBA guys chose him for their teams when they were when he was, like, in high school. Um, yeah, we. I went to UCLA. Yeah, Bruins! <laughs> so... Um, the NBA players would come, and they would play at men's gym. So mm-hmm. uh, every once in a while, I got lucky. I got chosen. Um, 
I actually went to UCLA to play basketball, uh, but that didn't work out, and that's a whole other hour. It's a whole other story. <laughs> but I'm a Bruin through and through. Can't wait for the game on Friday. Uh, Kentucky, UCLA. Kentucky's going down. Um, but uh, I digress a lot. Um, Sorry, what was the question? We're talking <laughs> about finding, finding your, your voice. voice. Yes. And ah. I feel like like a lot of people, like it, there's like an obvious, like it's a long time to find your voice. It's not something that you could do overnight. But I'm wondering if there's anything specific that helps you in honing like your specific voice. Well, you have to know you. You literally have to tell your story. And you can create a bunch of characters based off of experiences that you had in your life. Mm-hmm. And you, they ring true. Like, when you first start writing, you write what you know. Because those characters are going to be the most real to you. The first thing I really got into, the first thing I wrote really well, that's actually how we met. Uh, I wrote a, a movie about uh, a girl from a bad situation mm-hmm. who had a talent that she didn't deem particularly worthy, what somebody else did. Like, a richer guy's like, oh, you do this, I'm going to pay you. And then you, like, she was an artist. Okay. So he would use that for his benefit. And he was uh, initially, were you directing that? Yes. Yes. So that's how we met. That's how we met. Oh, wow. But it's Mm -hmm. the voice was a character that I could relate to. So, you know. So tell me about working together, guys, because you're actually working on a project. I have a lot of questions, and I'm not sure which order to ask them in. You're okay. working on a movie. Brian Palma said to direct. Did you guys write it, and then Brian came on board? or Yes. Okay. So what you said. Did, it, did it change at all when he came on board, how you approached the project, or was it done and locked, and you were like, here, Brian, just go? No, I mean, well, it's still changing now because he's still, you know, transforming it and all that stuff. So... But um, but the essence of it is pretty much what we wrote. I mean, but Lamont's been really dealing with them directly with the changes that were made most recently. But, um, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the, the essence, you know, will usually stay the same. Obviously, words may change and some situations may change and things may grow. Because we wrote it. When we wrote it, it was like a little simple movie. Yeah. Like Two million dollar, like a little small thing. Yeah, it was and like a million dollars. It was like, like a million. Yeah, and then the Palma comes on board, and now it's like, what, 40 or 50 or something like something, something, yes. something, something insane. So it had to grow. Um, but the fun, this is a funny story. I was working at uh, Virgin Entertainment, and Jeff was just directing. He was, you know, just yeah. doing what he does. And we met at Marie Callender's, I remember this, <laughs> at, the, at the SAG on offices Wilshire. on Wilshire. Mm-hmm. And we sat down, and we had lunch, and he was like, I have this idea. We just need to do it ourselves. And he pitched me this. He pitched me what turned into Lights Out. And I was in. I was like, and we just, we, how long did it take us to write that? It was pretty short, actually, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? Like, was it six months? Almost? No, it was like a couple months, two, three months. Mm-hmm. That's what yelling time right there. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty quick. It came out of us fairly swiftly. Um, but with this guy's vision of what he wanted, because he wanted a bare bones action movie with a female protagonist, and I'm all in on that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was fun. That one. I mean, guys- it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, what De Palma does with it. But can you guys give us your elevator pitch for the script? Oh, could we? Let's see. What was that? <laughs> well, I, you know what? If we do, 
you, you, I will have to preface it with this was way before what you're going to think of. Okay. Okay? It was way before it. Right. Like, way before. Okay, so the elevator pitch is blind girl in a house, some folks break in, and shenanigans occur. Ensue. <laughs> yes. Very Unexpected concise. things happen from that moment forward. So, how do you guys go about settling creative differences? <laughs> <laughs> well, usually Jeff wins. Usually. <laughs> I'm just but, gonna drink this water. Is it because he's a better debater? What what makes him win? No, no, no. I mean, we 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 talk about it. We work it out. We see what's what. And, you know, we kind of you know go through it. I mean, hey, sometimes you won't listen to me, and he'll just go off and do it anyway. <laughs> sometimes he'll just nod his head and be like, "Yeah, huh? Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, I'm listening." But he's really not listening. <laughs> and he's gonna do what he's gonna do anyway. So I yeah. mean, that's kind of how it works. You gotta know your partner. It's mm. it's kind of like a marriage. You just gotta know. Like certain things you can push. Certain things you gotta you gotta give on. They're really passionate about something. You got to try to make it work, and if it doesn't work, at least you try. Yeah. After that initial meeting, what made you guys want to continue to work with each other? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. To be honest, no. I just think that we we kind of fit well. Yeah. You know, and I'm very verbose. So when I write, I I, I mean, I had one of my my exes tell me that too. She was she told me, <laughs> Jeff, you're verbose. And I was like, what? I was like, yeah, that's an insult. She was like, yes, <laughs> I meant it that way because you know. So so I write a lot. I'll put a lot of words in people's mouths, and then he'll mm. edit those words into what I really meant. And you know that kind of works. You know, and I also just just write to I just write a lot. Of, I just literally. I have put to it tell him sometimes. I'm like. Um, Jeff, it's okay if you can you can stop now. Yeah, I just put the stuff in there. Sometimes no description of scenes. It's just just let them flow, and then he'll somehow figure out what I meant when I sent my email in the script, and then he'll read it and, and he'll just and then he'll whittle it down and say, "Oh yeah, that's what I wrote. I meant that. <laughs> that's what I meant when I wrote that thing. That's what I meant. That what you just did to it. And um, so that's what happens. We actually we wrote um, another feature, um, which is basically the urban being. If you took Bad News Bears and Urban Bad News Bears and mixed it with, with Angels in the Outfield. Yeah. Mike, 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 oh, Mike, so mm-hmm. cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an, it was the same way we write. You wrote that quick. That was like three months, two months. Yeah. Um, that was quick. But it's just like the first one. It's, it's funny because I usually write, I'll write the, the first act. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff just tackles the second act. And then I write the third. But we break it together so we know what the other person's writing. So sure. I know when to start. Because I know what the ending point of the second act is. So we end up writing the same amount of pages. Mm. It's just, sometimes I have to, I have to, what the, where were we, Panera or something? Yeah, I think it was Panera Bread, yes. Yeah, he was still, he's still at the second we act. We write at a lot of eating places. So. <laughs> right. Like, like every other, right? <laughs> right? Is there food and coffee nearby? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can survive. Yeah, yep. so there's Mountain Dew, maybe, yep. every yep. now yep. and then, because I need, I need that sometimes. I don't yeah. drink coffee. We tend to stay away from the coffee shops, except for M Street. M- Shout out to M Street. Yeah, gotta love M Street. M Street coffee, um, but we tend to stay away from like the the Starbucks's of the world and all that. Just not not because we don't like Starbucks in general, just because of the fact that you know a lot of the writers are in there. This is right. true, and so it's you just want, you don't want all up in your business. <laughs> you yeah. folks all up in your stuff. They're like, so what? Are you, what exactly. They're like typing like this, and believe me, they will be. They will look. You know, the only reason why I know that because I look at their stuff. <laughs> so when I go to Starbucks, I'm looking. I'm like, oh, laptop's open. What are they writing? Oh, what's that? Oh, okay. Uh, and then you know when somebody's working on something really important because they start to 
turn their yeah, la- yeah, they laughed out just smiley. Like, oh. Are they have a screen protector on? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's awful. It's like I you came it. to Starbucks. That's your exactly. fault. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I want to kick it to Katie. Uh, so you're producing. Please kick it to Katie. <laughs> <laughs> you're producing with these guys, and these these are big personalities. And I think a lot of times what I hear from first time producers is they're like, I try to get my team to work together and have all these like big ideas. And I'm wondering what is it like working with specifically these two guys, but also like, you know, kind of being the head of the team and, and wrangling all these different personalities. Well, there, there are a lot of personality. A little bit, a little bit. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's great. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you dream to be able to work with people who are as talented and as, as big as both of these guys. And, and I mean that like, you know, if I'm ever walking down a dark alley, I'm never afraid because they're huge. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. We got your back. I just, I, I just feel very lucky. You know, I'm, I'm happy to have a seat at the table. Right on. Um, so, what is the biggest challenge for you moving from acting to producing? Um, I, I mean, I've, this is definitely the largest thing that we're trying to tackle. I've done smaller projects before in the past, and I, I just love. The minutia, and I feel like that's something that is is a good thing because so many people are like, oh, I don't want to make the phone call, I don't want to be at the thing, and and that's like what you're supposed to do. That's you the know? fun part. That's the fun part, <laughs> and, and I don't mind you know asking for big favors and um, you know wheeling and dealing, and then when you get you know the hotel for X amount of dollars, which is so much less than it was supposed to be for the crew, mm. you're like, yeah, I killed it, <laughs> I just robbed them. <laughs> I also want to ask you, um, how, in your acting experience, were there producers that you encountered that helped maybe shape the kind of producer that you wanted to be? I definitely think so. Um, one of our producers on Switched, uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call her out, Sean Wilt. Yeah, Sean's amazing. She, uh, he, the thing about it is, I really think that there's. And everybody talks about it, but it is so true. The trickle-down effect, Mm. where if they're manic at the top, then everybody is manic. And nobody really has a clear direction of where they're supposed to go. And if if the three of us are solid in our idea, in our conviction, and also, more importantly, the way you go about executing those ideas, it it just makes for a really peaceful environment on set. And it makes it more fun. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah. I love that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about writers' rooms because I am obsessed with writers' rooms. Um, I've been in two before, and it is a magical and uh, wonderful experience. And you don't even need to be working professionally. People out there listening, like you could just create one with your friends and start <laughs> telling a story, and is the most fun you will ever have because you're never alone. Like writing is such a solitary process, and I am not a solitary person. <laughs> um, so when I was introduced to the idea of a writers' room where we could like throw ideas around, and then I could go like for you know two days and go write by myself and then come back and be like what do you guys think i have all of these ideas like this is the best thing ever do you got you work in teams so i'm wondering if you guys have the same kind of feelings about writing no or do you like the solitary process no we do not probably. <laughs> but again you can you can tackle the person I'll, and i'll totally contradict what you're about to say yes so i love writers rooms because you know i'm a, i was a guard mm. i like i like teams i like mm. ideas i like feeling like we're tackling this thing together and where else can you go like be creative Mm. on like a like a nine to five kind of situation and then you get cool lunch every day i'm saying 
thing. The lunch is the best. They were like champagne, and it's so fancy, and I'm like, this is work? It's amazing. Yeah, it's a good job if you can get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But actually, I really love just just breaking a story. Like, because everyone has different perspectives and point of views, and you want to, even if you don't agree with somebody's pitch, it's like, well, why did you pitch that? Like, Mm -hmm. what's behind it? And maybe there's something in there you're like, oh, that's a good idea. You just, it just didn't come out right. But I love what you were saying. So I'm, because I've done the the feature writing solo. I've done the, you know, writer's room stuff. I mean, we write together. And I love write. It motivates you. Yeah. Like, if you're writing alone, it's just like, okay, I'm going to knock these pages out. And, uh there's nobody holding you accountable you get it mm, done sure but it's not as fun no not nearly uh, right, I totally disagree with yes. that. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong I, I, I'm a fan of the quote unquote writer's room and I think there's a need for that but I mean for me I Tread like lightly, Jeff I like I like you know I'm just saying she asked me a question I'm, uh-huh. I'm just gonna answer it All right. um, I, I, you know I, I think I think singular voices are I'm a I, you know they had the whole term writer director I'm a director writer so I'm a director first mm. I'm a writer you know, by necessity, um, not by choice. And um, and that's only because of the fact that, obviously, you have to write something before it gets shot. So, hence the reason why, I, the, 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 the necessity. But um, but I, I'm not a fan of a bunch of different people in a room, you know, batting stuff. I know it's a thing. It has to happen. And he can go to that thing and deal with that thing. That's why we work so well. And he does the other I don't, I do I don't, this I, thing. You know, I like, I like collaborating on the set with my actors. Okay. Mm. I'm a fan of being on the set once the script is written and then us totally changing it. Yeah, just ripping it to shreds. Once we get on the set and we go, okay, that's what that was. Now, what is it going to be once you. Because here's the thing when you're writing, Mm. you really don't have geography in mind. You don't have, you know, like this room right here. This room is a room. Mm -hmm. But the scene that that we're in right now could have been written in a huge auditorium. But now we have to deal with the fact that we're in this like six, eight by eight room. And now it has to be shot differently because of the geography, just because of this location. So those things shift. And I think so. a lot of times writers will want to still shoehorn that writer's room idea into that location when it doesn't fit. And that's kind of where the director and the, the actors kind of take over and, you know, and kind of make it, make it work. And even besides some of the words, too, even if it's an A or a the or an and. Well, and I'm not opposed to that. Like, if it fits the character... And if it's more comfortable for them to say, I'm 100%. I'm not one of those guys. Mm. Like, say the words <laughs> on the page. I wrote it how I wrote it. Just walk in, just ripping people's scripts up. That's not, that's not who I am. Like, I'm a collaborative guy. Like, yeah, we'll works, see, we'll works. see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> Remember he said that. This, is this being shot? Is, can we have this? Yeah. I'm going to walk around script with, like, a blowtorch. Like, <laughs> we're going to play this back on set. We're like... We're gonna be like, hey, we're gonna take the little screen and be like, hey, Lamont, remember this? I'm like, remember I don't know what that? you're talking about. I was not there. You know, so I yeah, I'm not a big fan. To answer your question, I'm not, I, I, but always being because a lot of the shows even that I like are singular vision type shows, mm, like like um, the Nick, like Mr. Robot, and the Nick, which is just got canceled. I'm so I'm so sad. I just got canceled. The Nick? Yes. Yeah. No, I know they only planned two seasons, and today. they said that another director today, could come in and pick it up. It's done. Yeah. They, well, they couldn't do it. Without, I will they couldn't do it without fight them. They couldn't do it without Soderbergh, and they couldn't do it without um, without uh, Clive Owen. So I think they had to cancel Yikes. because I like Clive Soderberg. left, and Clive yeah. was like, "I'm not doing it." And Soderbergh said, "Well, if he's not doing it, I'm not doing it." So they were going to try and, re- but you can't do it. It's like doing Dang. Switch at birth. 
without without Katie and Vanessa. You that would be very confusing and, and challenging. Just, yeah, sure. it would be challenging. Like, wait, <laughs> and it would they be just like, switched too much. Exactly. <laughs> That's the new, that would be the new title. Of the show. <laughs> switched too, too much. much. <laughs> it's the prequel. Live on Freeform. Exactly. So, Katie, are you a, like a logistics producer, or do you also do some creative producing? Are you in into uh, helping bring the vision to life? Definitely. I, I, Definitely. Both. Yeah. I, I want to do... Who's hiring? Because mm. I'll take that job. Um, no, I, I think that... Being able to be creative is something that I definitely want to do. Yeah. Uh, I love these guys because they're open to creativity. That's what I was going to say, too, about, like, the writer's room, directing, acting. Like, the the whole thing, like, you have this idea of a story, but what it becomes, like, it, it continually evolves. Yeah. Even, like, after the acting and directing happen, yep. it goes to an editor, yep. and that mm-hmm. person has a vision. And mm-hmm. that's what I love about this industry. That's what I love about this process is it is so collaborative. And the strongest are able to um, sort of hold true to the integrity of what they're going with, but also trust the people along the process that yeah. the evolution is going to be ultimately better for the project. Yes. What she said. I agree with that. <laughs> Twice. I agree with that. I agree with that quite a bit. I'm sure you guys get writer's block. How do you go about getting out of that? What's like your method or happy place that you go to to movies movies i i I do a triple feature i just try to i just or i i'll do that or i'll binge watch a show that i've been neglecting yeah like i'm i have to start santa clarita diet because i heard it's amazing it's so much fun it's funny yeah and i'm that's the that's the writing i love i love like i'm a buffy guy he hates that. Yes. Sorry. What? I'm, I'm not a Buffy fan. I'm okay, a Firefly. Well, I'm a Firefly. If we're talking Whedon, Firefly. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm still the... Most of my the protagonists are writer women. Mm. I wonder why that happened. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I love the quick, smart dialogue. Mm. But there's still so much drama, and there's action, and people die, but it never gets too... It's dark, but it's funny. It's like it never gets too dark. Mm. It, like, it doesn't get Batman syndrome. R- mm. Which Batman? Nolan Batman? Oh, Jeff's about to bark. Okay, uh, don't say anything about Nolan Batman. <laughs> Nolan Batman is the man. But I, Nolan I like Batman. the Nolan Batmans, but I also feel like they created their own universe, and that, that works really well. And, and they when they stuck extended, with that universe. Yes. They well, should have stuck with that universe. When they extended that universe to, like, Superman, who is that not a dark worked. character. No, I agree with it you. It could have disagree wholeheartedly. They didn't have to make him dark, though, and it could have it still worked. Yeah, it, he could have been the light in that universe, but you need contrast, and we never got that contrast. And it it you don't get it now with the, with the Snyder. No, it's not good either. Snyder is not doing anything either. Not a fan. Well, no. if we go back to, let's take it back to the comic books mm. because I'm not going to oh get into this kind of problem. Uh, <laughs> Superman and Batman are the light and the dark. Yeah. And uh-huh. the thing that makes them great together is the shade of gray in the middle. Yep. Uh, he makes Batman a little lighter. Mm-hmm. Batman will crack a couple more jokes and Superman will be a little more ruthless mm. when they're hanging out together. Yes. That's the fun. When they're both dark. You don't get the contrast. Dwayne McDuffie had that I down the best. Yes, Dwayne did. He, Dwayne did. God rest his soul. Dwayne, yeah. Dwayne did, did, did have that Gone down too the best. Soon, sir. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he, he understood the contrast of those two characters, and they're a lot of fun. I love mm-hmm. talking comics books, you guys. I'm really excited about it. Sorry. Uh, no, Sorry, we went, off, we went off the we page. We will Sorry. never apologize about talking about Batman. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I did want to ask you guys a couple of things. Um, you guys are writing characters that are not uh, you, essentially. Like, a lot of times I feel like yes. people are told to, you know, write specifically what you know, and a lot of times that manifests itself 
yourself in characters that are, you know, your gender, your race, have your perspectives on life. But in Lights Out, I believe your main protagonist is a Chinese woman. Yes? Well, apparently now she is, yes. <laughs> apparently now she is. Yeah. Apparently, okay. the, in, in the De Palma-verse, she's now, she's now Asian. Okay. Which is great, which yes. I think is wonderful. I think it's, and I, I know who phenomenal. it is, but I cannot tell you. I think it's phenomenal. Oh, get really Such excited about secrets. No, no, no spoilers on the, on the popcorn talk? I, 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 I can't. Like, like a little hint? I'll tell you one spoiler. I'm the lead in our project. Yes, she is. That is a spoiler. Okay, well let's let's talk about two two one Baker, Baker. Street. Two two one B Baker. Yes. So this is a pilot you guys are working on. Yes. Where are you guys at in the stages of development? We're pretty far. We're pretty. We're, I mean, you can speak on it. We're pretty far. No, no, Jeff. No, please. We're pretty, no, we're pretty far. I mean, you know, was, you know, we're pretty far. We're, we're pretty. We're, we're we're about to are go out. Are you shooting? And, not shooting yet. No. Okay. We're, okay. About, we're about to though. All right, so the script is done. Is, is it locked? Well, the script isn't done. The script is in motion. But I'm saying, when I say we're pretty far, is there's a lot to do even before you start writing the script, especially on a pilot. Especially okay. on, a, on a, you know, there's a lot to do before that. There's the Bible, there's creating the world, there's all these, there's the character breakdown, there's all those things. That, like, you have to know what your, it's the five-year plan. That's yes. Like, you got to know yeah. where you're going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before you can write the pilot, the pilot kind of writes itself once you know where it ends. You mm-hmm. go and once you know the characters. And once you know the characters, mm-hmm. which is where you spend the majority. Hello, writers. Mm-hmm. Before you write anything, know what you're writing because you'll write yourself in the corners that you can't get out of. Yes. And, um, then, and then you'll end up lost, literally. Literally. And ah, <laughs> <laughs> you'll end up like Lindelof, wow. you know, with Lost. And, and, and I love David Lindelof, but, you know, I, I you know, look at Lost and you go, oh, my God, I want to strangle you. Because <laughs> it was five, was it supposed to be five seasons? Was it just five seasons and out and they went, like, I think one was, or two more? No, I think it was less. But than, they had to stop after three. Right, they it had was, that huge hiatus. Yeah, yeah that writer's strike in the middle crazy. of it yeah, really it was, disrupted it was, the flow of things. It was, but it was just crazy, though. Yeah, oh, that writer's strike like messed up a lot of like really great television. But then also yeah. we got Doctor Horrible out of it, so you know, mm. yeah. random random things. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so you're to the point where you know your characters, you have your five year plan, you've begun pitching to networks, you've cast at least your lead role. Ding, ding. Yes. Uh, yes, and that's crucial. Yes, absolutely. That's very crucial. So, okay, uh, something I've always been curious about is when you are both acting and producing a series, how do you go in a room to sell it? Like, are you selling yourself the actress? Are you selling it as are you more in the producer role? How that's are you? That, that is a very good question, actually. I want, I want to check as many boxes as I can. Yeah. Um, you know, I think creatively I'm just lucky to be along with these guys who have so much experience doing it and have such a clear vision doing it. Um, when I get the pages, I know what to do. And then to create those pages, they know what to do. And I get to go, oh, what about what about this little twist we can do right here? But the majority of it comes from these guys. Okay. So. Yes, but but also you know don't you know Katie's very modest, so uh, I, I'm a I'll big her up. So the beauty of also having her involved, and us being lucky and happy to have her involved, is the mm-hmm. fact that a she's been on the show for five seasons. The sh- show just hit a milestone of a hundred episodes as of yes. Tuesday. Yes, hundred the hundred the hundredth episode. I mean it's phenomenal, <laughs> and that's a very um, uh, exclusive club to be in mm-hmm. the hundred episode club. Not a lot of people get into that into that club, and um, you know. So when we walk into a room with Katie, people know. Oh, okay. You know, you know, you know the thing about it is in, in life, and for people out there, and you know, people like security, and, mm-hmm. and and people meaning executives are people too. 
So they like security, right? As so much they, as we don't think they are. As much as we don't think they are. <laughs> now corporations aren't people, <laughs> but corporations are not people. But executives are people. So when they walk, when you walk in with someone as solid as Katie, they go, "Oh, okay, she's going to show five seasons, hundred episodes." Yeah. You, they start to do the math. Mm. That's one. That's one thing off of their out out of their mind because that, basically when you walk into any room, uh, executives, you know, are always trained to say no. Mm-hmm. So basically what you do is you get them to yes by checking off as many of the no boxes that they have in their head. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of how it works. And once they get to that point and you leave the room, then you go, oh, and you wait for that phone call. And they go, oh, yeah, you know, okay, great. Well, we'll meet with you guys again. And, and matter of fact, we're going to do the deal because mm-hmm. of this thing. And a lot of it is because you walk in the room with someone like a Katie. And, you know, a lot of those check marks go. It's that 10,000 hours thing. Boom, where- yeah. I've I've done it and I know how to do it and I know what yes. f- what works for me and I know mm-hmm. what makes things easier and I know what makes things harder sometimes. Mm-hmm. So if we go in and we say this is the easiest best way to do this awesome thing cuz let me tell you it's awesome. Yes. <laughs> um it it just it ma- like you said it makes it easier for them. Yes. Yeah. And not only has she done it she's led it. So that's also in the, that's also a high consideration too. She's not like number 5 or number 6 on the call sheet, she's number 1 on the call sheet. Her events are number 1 on the call sheet. So that says a lot, and that and that and that says a lot to them. And then and then then they look at us because they're actually to be honest, they're gonna look at her first, right? Mm. And then they look at us, and then they start going down their checklist for us. Like she already passes muster from the moment she walks in the door. So the dynamic is when we get into a room, their their eyes are on her, but they're listening to us, right? And they want to see just like if you know how much Katie's in it, yeah, yeah. like and she's in mm-hmm. it, three hundred percent. There's no such thing so, as 300%, though. Well, but in our world, multiply. there's 100, 100, 100. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Shut me down. See, that's how that dynamic works. <laughs> I was just shut down. Well, I have to be careful. I take, I take, try to, you know, keep the sides taking pretty equal. That's yes, she does. she does. She does navigate the Jeff and Lamont very well. Later today, we're going to have to have another disagreement so I can. Will we? <laughs> is that, is that I, coming? It is that will, today? It will is naturally something? happen. <laughs> is, something coming? Is, that, is that today? I'm, 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 I'm saying. She had it scheduled. So I know, later today, something. just prepare yourself. There's going to be a disagreement. Hey, you know what? Just so everybody knows, I, I directed this woman, so I can I can kind of look at her and see certain things and know when to come in and when to stay away. We <laughs> fell in love we this had season that. on Switch to We did. And I'm we so did. grateful for it. We did. I love I love I loved working with Katie. Oh, and talk about the episode, episode actually. Oh, um, that is episode number five on this season called Occupy Truth. For anybody out there, go to the Freeform app and watch Occupy Truth. You can watch the whole season, though. Seriously, <laughs> you can watch the whole season of Switched Birth. But really, really watch Occupy Truth. Really, episode. really watch. It's a special episode. Also, check out the quad. And yeah, uh, you can check out the quad. Episode, I, I directed. I directed. Nine? I directed two and three. Mm-hmm. Episode, no, it was three and four. No, three and three, three and four. four. Three and four of the quad. And coming, coming up, up is the season rubber. finale, right? I am. One of the writers in the season finale. Yeah. See, it's that whole writers room thing, right? See, you had, that's the one you had the story credit for, See? and I was like, I feel like maybe that's your your thumbprint episode. It. Uh, okay, the thing about <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Like that writers room thing, but no, that's no, just me. no. The, the the beauty of a writers room is it's literally like okay, it's your turn up to bat. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a baseball team. It's like all right, you're going one through eight now. You know, the pitcher's up, but this is the American League, so there's no pitchers up. Just saying. <laughs> I can hit. It's all good. Um, but I'm, you know, excited. You know, first season. Um, it's a groundbreaking show. There hasn't been an HBCU show on since a different world. Different world, world probably, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, I don't know. I mean, I'm really a Sam Ismail kind of guy. 
I'm really a, you know, Mr. Robot. He's a, the writer creator of Mr. Yeah. Robot. I'm really that kind of, you The auteur theory? Yeah. A little bit. Well, theory. well, only <laughs> thing is because of the fact, here, look, at the end of the day, they're going to hold you responsible. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to hold you responsible, you want to make sure you decide on stuff. Because then you can't, you know, our hour out of it at that point. You can't yeah. be like, well, it wasn't, well, it was a writer's room. It was a room full of us. But you, it, says, <laughs> it says written by you. It says written by Lamont McGee. Well, it wasn't really me. It was us. And I just got, it was my, like he just said, it was my turn. But, you know. Plus, I feel like if you take the turns like that, sometimes there's something that gets lost between characters from episode to episode. Because mm-hmm. there's a there's a season arc that right. the characters are experiencing this change. And maybe somebody had that change faster or slower. Or, like, I don't know. There's a little back and forth that happens. Well, that's why the... I agree. the it's like the showrunner has the, the voice. Mm-hmm. So everyone... Because everyone writes differently. Everyone has a different cadence to how they write. They some are a little funnier. Some are a little more dry. But see, you're arguing for Jeff's point she right is. now. He is no, <laughs> all right. Thank you, Katie. I was going to say that, but he wouldn't have gotten it. Two twenty one B Baker Street. <laughs> um, but I'm saying just the way it, the vision is put together um, with the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, the writers write their episode, but the showrunner basically signs off on it and makes sure everything is what it is and make sure the the episodes I guess, have a similar chill. voice or yeah. Yeah. exactly I mean, that's, I mean that's what I always like Like, I, I do like these this new uh, kind of wave of people being like I'm in control an entire like six hours of a season or more and it's it's my one cohesive vision because I always wondered as a kid like why aren't movies ten hours I could keep watching this like people were like there's too much Lord of the Rings I'm like no I will watch all the extended cuts back to back it doesn't bother me um, but I also think there's walking. a lot to, you know what? But it's great walking. It's they do it so well, and it's beautiful. They scenery. should have just took the eagles. <laughs> right? Why did they drop them off on the mountain? They had a lesson to learn. Magic is earned. <laughs> Anyhow, um, I, I, uh, but I think that there's something to be said about a group of people. Like I don't know if you guys watch The Magicians. It's like my favorite show. Yeah, I watch The Magicians. It's, it's so good. Very good. Um, and and it's the Chronicles of Narnia for adults. For getting adults. the masters. It's amazing. Yeah. If you're into education and you're into magic. Like that's that's the jam. Um, but their writers' room is like incredibly tight. And hearing um, the showrunners talk about how you know they actually did write themselves into a corner because at one point the the villain of the season comes, he finds the well, and they're like, oh well, once he's there, like he's he's got the power. So mm-hmm. there's literally nothing that can stop him. So. Basically, they wound up making a poop joke to get out of it, and that becomes the crux of the season. <laughs> it's based off of this one, like, really offhanded joke. But they could have never come up with that if one guy hadn't been snickering the whole time. Like, what are you talking? Like, what are you laughing at? And he's like, I got an idea, but you guys are gonna hate it. <laughs> and they loved it, and they went with it. And I think that's kind of uh, what makes a writer's room really great. I did want to ask you. We've been teasing and talking a lot about Two Two One Baker Street. Can you guys give us a little bit of information about what it's about? I know you guys are pitching it. We don't want to give away too many secrets. Go ahead. On you. <laughs> On you. Countdown. Go. Hmm. Well, the address uh, gives a little bit away. It's just, it's a new envisioning of the Sherlock Holmes myth for today. Oh. I, I'm pretty for much that's all I can say. For okay. For okay. millennials. All right, that's millennials. exciting. That's starring, starring a woman. Starring. Yes. 
Sorry. Boom. I'm instantly thrilled. I loved. Uh, we did see a woman play Watson when um, Lucy Liu was doing it for a bit, and I mm-hmm. love uh, gender bending things. Wait, she's, for a bit, she's still doing it. Isn't she? Yes. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Did they cancel? They did. I, was about to say, they cancel? I, I think it's they're still on. never going to cancel. <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's still on. Uh, but I, I love gender bending characters because it brings out entirely new angles of a story that maybe you hadn't seen before. Oh, this mm-hmm. has angles. Yes, I'm it does. I just, about it. I just can't tell you it the does, angles, does, but it, it has angles. Well, when you guys get picked up and you finish shooting, we want to have you guys all back here to yes. tell us about your work and what actually shooting the season was like. In the meantime, why don't you tell our students where they can find you? Uh, Jeff, you start this one. Uh, me, uh, you can uh, Instagram. IG, it's my name backwards, so it's Bird, B-Y-R-D, Jeff. So, so instead of Jeff Bird, it's Bird Jeff. And uh, Facebook, too. I mean, I'm Jeff Bird on Facebook. Do that. Katie? Uh, I am at Katie LeClaire on Instagram and on uh, Twitter at Cabaret Wild Cat on Snapchat. Yes, I, I have a handle. new. Um, I have a new show coming out on the Go Ninety app called yeah. Confess. Yeah, yeah. Comes Confess out April Fourth. Yeah, excellent. Confess. Check that out, guys. Yes, uh, uh, Lamont McGee. So it's at Lamont McGee on Twitter and Instagram is la McGee thirty three. Nice. Go follow them, guys. Hopefully you get some inside scoops on G21 Baker Street. Maybe we get a little bit more information about Lights Out. We're going to Palmo. It's super exciting. Um, In the meantime, I've been Joelle. And I've been Pega. And we'll be here every Thursday, 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time, doing the Knife Hour. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Christian Harloff, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.